Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. of a series that we started called You Asked For It, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking questions. We've had a ton of questions that have been submitted and really encouraged and honestly just blessed um, to read the questions. It's been so helpful and insightful to be able to, I think, to, to better understand where many of you are in you know, things that weigh heavy on your mind or on your heart, things you're processing, things you're just wanting to know. And I think that's the beauty about this series. It's kind of like that situation where, you know, it's like, man, who do I go to to ask about this? Or, you know, how do I, how do I know if this is correct? And, you know, and so it's always comforting to know that we can go to the Word of God and we can get guidance and answers to the really the most difficult questions that we encounter in life. So I just want to encourage you to continue to text us. We'll do the best we can next Sunday being Father's Day. Come on, men. Shout out to all the guys. We're going to have an awesome, awesome day uh, next Sunday. So men, make sure you're here. We're going to honor you. I'm doing a, we're going to kind of make a little bit of a pivot next week because it is uh, Father's Day. So we're going to do it a little different in that we're going to flip, flip the script a little bit and we're going to put some specific questions together as it relates to dads. In fact, five specific questions that every dad, every father must ask. And I think this is going to be very, very helpful. I want to encourage you as men to not only be here to bring somebody with you. We have a special treat and a lot of things that we want to do as we honor our dads. Well, I got my better half here, my wife Michelle, who is my partner in crime here. So uh, she, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> she is uh, jack of all trades this morning. She's been singing and now she's going to be the, uh, the interviewer That's and elaborator. Right. That's right. Whatever that means. The best there's ever been right here. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Hopefully there's not any big words. Mm, well, I'll, I'll, I'll butcher them if they are. But <laughs> anyway, ready? yeah, let's get started. Let's pray. Can let's we do, do that? It. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we get to have the opportunity to come into the house of the Lord today. Lord, most importantly, just to honor you, to worship you. Lord, we thank you for the greatest gift that we have, and that's just the, the gift of life, the gift of forgiveness, salvation, the gift of purpose our eternal hope in heaven. God, thank you, Lord, that you have granted us this day. And we pray that your word, Father, would speak forth, that you would speak to us, that you would answer questions that we have in our hearts. Help us, Father, to be able to, to discern your will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, well before we dive in, real quick, just a couple, couple of things I just want to reinforce. If you were not here last Sunday... Just some ground rules. Number one is uh, because these these are unsol- I mean these are questions that you've asked, and like I said, we've done the best we can to try to get to as many as we can. I don't know that we're going to be able to uh, successfully get to all of them. There's been some amazing questions. Um, the other thing too is I just want to make sure that you understand that we're going if there if the Bible speaks specifically to it, we're going to address it from God's word, and we're going to allow the word of God to speak for itself. And so everything rises and falls on that. And so therefore, if God's word uh, speaks to it, then we're going to embrace that. We're going to stand on that truth. Now, if God's word does not speak directly to it, but there is a principle that we can learn from, then we're going to address the principle. And therefore, if there's not something specifically related, then I'll share with you uh, my opinion. My perspective doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just my opinion. But I believe with all of my heart that the vast majority of the things that we all face, the things that we want answers to, the guidance and directions we need, no question about it. God's Word is relevant, it is applicable, and it is our source of truth, and it leads us and guides us in the way of truth. And so today we're going to look and lean on God's Word. 
All right. Amen. They asked for it. Let's do it. That's right. That's why it's so important we get the word of God in our hearts every day. Yeah. Really important. All right. You ready? Okay. Number one. Does the Bible teach that once saved, always saved? Well, my answer to that based on scripture is yes. Just right out of the gate. And let me give you some uh, validation to that from God's word. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is a great verse of scripture. It says, for by grace we are saved through faith, that not of ourselves. In other words, we don't earn salvation. There's nothing that we do that allows us to be good enough or there's not enough good things that we can do in this life that equates to working our own way towards God's approval in order for us to be saved. The only way a person is saved is through faith, through believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is also considered the good news, and by faith receiving what Christ has already done for us because the finished work of your salvation and mine has already been done. It's already been paid for. Jesus paid the ultimate price, the sin debt that we all deserve to pay. But instead, the Bible says, he, knew, he who knew no sin became sin for us. So Jesus died for our sin. He paid the ultimate price for our salvation. That's the reason why God sent his son, Jesus, into the world. Was to ultimately pay the sin debt that we all deserve to pay. Therefore, Jesus died once and for all. He was placed into a tomb after his death and three days later came back to life, proving that he was who he claimed to be and that he fulfilled what he came to accomplish. So again, salvation is not something we do for God. Salvation is something that God has already done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And I think where a lot of people sometimes get maybe a little tripped up in this uh, question is the fact that they'll say, well, but what if somebody may have given their life to Christ at whatever time in their life and for whatever reason, you know, they, they wandered off the path or, you know, they went and sowed, sowed their wild oats, so to speak. You know, they just, they just lived this wheels off immoral life. Well, I think the biggest question sometimes we need to ask ourselves is first and foremost, has that person or have we genuinely been saved? You know, because I think that's another important thing because one of the things that the, the Bible teaches us is that God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so we need to understand that the moment a person is truly born again, John 3, 3, the moment a person is born again, the spirit of living God, God himself comes to live and indwell inside of our hearts and lives. Now, obedience is a choice. And another thing I think sometimes people get tripped up over is that there's a difference between salvation and sanctification. And I know that's a fancy word, but basically what that means is that is the part where we as believers, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we as followers of Christ are to live our lives to grow in our spiritual knowledge, in our spiritual understanding of who Christ is, but our lives are to conform more and more into the image of Christ. In other words, we are living less and less of a sin-filled life and a life that is driven by the fleshly carnal side of us, the sin nature, and allowing the Holy Spirit to control, to be filled with his power so that we can overcome the temptations and the fleshly aspects of our lives so that by nature through God's character working in us and through us we're growing we're maturing we're developing in other words our character is becoming more like the character of Jesus Christ so the goal is is that when people see you and me they don't see necessarily us they see Jesus living his life through us and so that's our goal as believers is to live as Jesus would have us to live and to use him as the ultimate, really our ultimate example. So let me give you a couple, of, a couple of verses here that you may want. And I encourage you to jot down some of these verses. There's way too many scripture verses I'm going to be throwing out 
that you may not, um, really it was just, they'd be flipping slides all day, but let me just give you a couple you can jot down there in your notes um, if you want to write down this. I think this is a great uh, passage of scripture, Romans 8, verses 38 through 39, it says that nothing can separate us from, from the love of God. So, so no matter how far we've drifted, what kind of mistakes we've made, what our past looks like, there's absolutely nothing, nothing whatsoever can separate us from God's love. Jesus even said that no one can snatch them from my Father's hands. So you've been bought, you've been purchased, you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so we need to understand that. Another thing, too, I think that trips people up is that not only is there a difference between salvation and sanctification, sanctification, which is the setting apart, it's, it's becoming more and more like Christ, but I think there's also a difference between relationship versus um, fellowship. So, for example, if, if Michelle and I and many of you, you know, your parents, so our kids don't obey, right? Anybody got kids who just, who, who obey instantaneously 100% of the time? I've, I'm, we didn't have those kids, but uh, chances are neither do you if you're a parent. And so, but just because your child disobeys, just, be, just because your child chooses not to follow your, your, your ways, you know, your guidelines, your rules, just because your child chooses not to do what you tell them to do, that does not mean that you disown them as a child, right? They're still your child. At the end of the day, what has to happen, and that's where disobedience comes in, and disobedience it breaks the fellowship. It's like from, if Michelle and I got in an argument, which we never do. No. We haven't in the last, we didn't get in an argument this morning. You know, you're right. That's good. We're on a roll. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, not, we're halfway in. We, we're man, we're doing good. We got some momentum. We, we have uh, intense discussion sometime. Intense fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah, yes. there you go. Okay. So Still with that, my best friend, though. With that in mind, though, I think that's the point we're trying to make. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to have those moments. But just because we have moments and we don't see eye to eye, we have disagreements, you know, there, or maybe I say something that hurts her, she does something that offends me, or whatever the situation is. Okay, it's going to create a little awkwardness. We're going to have a little silent treatment, you know, maybe towards each other. But what happens if we allow that to continue, then what happens? Our intimacy, our close fellowship, you know, really suffers. And so, therefore, we begin to kind of grow more and more distant from each other. It doesn't mean we're no longer married, but at the end of the day, that's what happens between us and the Lord. And so, I've often said, and I'll say it again, hey, we are as close to God as we choose to be. And so we just need to understand that when it comes to salvation, our assurance of our salvation is based on the truth of God's word. It's also based on the promises of God. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God cannot lie. God does not change. He is consistent. He is faithful. He is steady. So therefore, what God has promised when it comes to salvation, God cannot go back on that promise. Our assurance is also based on God's character. So once again, God cannot lie. So if God has made it clear that our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is our way of salvation, which Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So if that is what God planned, then therefore we must be willing to accept God's promise based on his character. And the last thing is really our assurance is based on the Holy Spirit, as I stated earlier, who lives and indwells inside of us. In other words, the Holy Spirit is like a seal, you know, like an official, official document where they stamp that document. It's almost like a, a seal of uh, validation. That's exactly what God did when he sends his Holy Spirit to live and indwell within, within us. So again, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are his children. So I hope that helps. Uh, short end of the story is, yes, once saved, always mm -hmm. saved. However, 
that doesn't give us a license to go live any way we want to live. I think it's important that we realize we don't embrace the mindset of like, oh, well, well, if that's the case, and hey, give me this little prayer, I'll pray that prayer, and I'll just go live a wills-off life. No, there are major consequences, and then if that's truly our motivation, then we have to do it, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, and that is to examine ourselves whether we're really in the faith. And so, I mean, that's a whole other thing in and of itself. At the end of the day, we ought to, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't conform into the image of Christ because we have to. We conform into the image of Christ because we desire to, we want to, because we love Jesus so much in light of what he did for us. That's our motivation. That's why we grow and become all that he is destined for us to be. That's really good. And I know that uh, we have a prayer team here at the church, and many of you have submitted prayer requests. Rodney and I are on the prayer team as well. And uh, for your children that have drifted from God, that maybe they gave their life to Christ and grew up maybe in the church or maybe not, but they, you know that they gave their life to Christ and they've drifted away from him. And I think what you were just saying there is just so important because parents need comfort too, that that their, their children are no Christ and we're praying for them to come back. But what you said, um, you're as close to God as you want to be. And if I've heard you also say, you know, if we, if you don't feel close to God, well, guess who's moved mm -hmm. and it's not a, I mean, it's, it's not God, God's there. Right. And so we're praying for your children that they will come back and return to their first love what Revelation talks about as well, that they, their hearts would come back to God. And I know maybe some of those questions are even around those thoughts that a loved one has drifted away from God. And, and they're once saved, they're always saved. It's a relationship. But we're praying that they come back into that restored relationship yeah. with God. Yeah, and just to wrap this up, I mean, at the end of the day, I think too, you know, and I think that's where a lot of people are is this, that they've all, we all have made mistakes. We've right. all drifted. We've all, you know, gotten off the path. And it's like the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal went and sowed his wild, wild oats. But at the end of the day, he came to that place of realization that what he did was wrong. And it had, it had hindered his relationship with his father. So he repented and came back. But there was his father ready to embrace him and accept him in his loving arms. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of God, is that he's the God of second chances. And he just wants us to come to him, to repent, to get our hearts right, so that we can restore that broken fellowship that we often have between us and the Lord. And I think that's so important. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Number two, this one, this one's intense. Somebody... Somebody's thinking real deep here. What's the difference between the rapture and tribulation? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a, I think a lot of people are processing a lot mm -hmm. right now as it relates to what is often referred to as the signs of the times. Right. And you know, when you think about it, even 2,000 plus years ago, you know, from the first century church in the New Testament, you know, we we're talking about the coming of the Lord. And even then, you know, Paul and so many of the other disciples were warning believers that we ought to be ready, that we ought to, to be careful in how we live and to make the most of every day and to know that the return of the Lord is coming. And what's interesting is that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul is actually writing to the church of Thessalonica. And he was doing this very thing. He was warning them about an event that was to occur. And he basically kind of described this event, if you will, as an instantaneous act that would happen. And what's often referred to, now the word rapture is not specifically in the Bible, but the explanation of that instantaneous act is validated over and over. For example, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18 says it this way, For the Lord himself will come down... From heaven, with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, notice, the Christians who have died will rise from the graves. So here's what you need to understand. All of those who have gone, listen, those from the past, since the beginning of the age. Listen, from, from the beginning of creation, from, from all of those 
who have died, who were saved, those who were in right relationship with the Lord, those who have died, the Bible says, will be raised back to life. They will be caught up before those of us who are still living. So it goes on to say, first the Christians who have died will rise from the graves, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So I think it's important that we realize that that as we look at everything unfolding in our world and our culture, I mean, we are, we're pretty much on point from the standpoint of all the things that we see and we know that point to the coming of Christ's return. And the rapture, that instantaneous act that I just read, is a moment that if we are all fortunate to be able to still be alive on that day. And that's my prayer. My prayer is that, you know, man alive. I mean, I, I would love to be able to avoid all of the continuing decay and demise of our culture and our world. I mean, who wants to, who wants to be around to see our world continue to deteriorate the way that it is? But it's going to because of the consequences of sin. Now, some things that's interesting, you, like, for example, like when you see uh, in the Old Testament, where God told, um, you know, the people there in Sodom that he was going to destroy them. And one of the things that Abraham did is he, he told his son Lot to escape because God was going to destroy the city of Sodom with what? With fire and brimstone. And he did that. But before he did, he warned Abraham to also get his family out of the city. Because of the instantaneous act that was going to occur. The same is true with Noah. Remember when God said he's going to destroy the earth with a flood. But before he did that, he rescued Noah and his family from that destruction. Another example of that is uh, when Jericho was defeated. When That was the first battle that the... Um, Israelites, you know, they were able to conquer Jericho when they crossed over the Jordan. But because of what had happened, God was going to destroy the city of Jericho. But in that event, there was a harlot that God rescued along with her household before he destroyed Jericho. All of those are foreshadowings of the future instantaneous act where God in his rescuing arm will reach down and bring us up to be with him, to meet him in the air. And so it's an awesome thing when you think about it. So that is often referred to as the rapture, that one time, uh, that, that instantaneous event that happens. But then there's a difference between the rapture and the tribulation, which is what the question was all about. And the tribulation is basically a seven-year period that will take place following the rapture. Now that tribulation experience is something that none of us wants to be alive to endure. And the reason why is because it's going to be evil without any constraint whatsoever. Far beyond anything we could possibly even imagine. And even towards the end of that seven-year period, there is, there is a reference known as the Antichrist who will basically get, become, if you will, the center of attention towards the end of that tribulation period, who will mimic Satan himself. Everything will revolve around everything that the scripture has warned us related to the evil beyond our human ability to even comprehend. But in that, I believe there's some things that's important for us to understand. There's something referred to as the church age, which is the seven churches in the book of Revelation. So it's important that you read through the those seven churches are so much relevancy to our personal lives as believers that I think is so important for us to know and understand. But after the church age comes to an end, that's when most scholars believe the rapture will take place after the church age. And I pers- this is my personal conviction. I believe that we are very near to the end of 
the church age. When you look chronologically at so many things that the scripture teaches. So with that, you have the rapture of the church. And then following the rapture of the church, you have the tribulation. And then after that seven-year period comes what is referred to as the second coming of Christ. And that second coming of Christ would be followed by a thousand-year millennium. Which is basically like peace on earth. And then the final, final judgment, which is often referred to and is referred to as the great white throne judgment. That's where God, that's where Jesus takes the book of life. And that's where every person whose name has been written in the Lamb's book of life will spend forever and forever with him in that eternal place called heaven. And then God eventually will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, I know that's a spoonful there, but at the end of the day, that is the answer to the question of the difference between the rapture and the tribulation. It's a fascinating study. To be honest with you, this, it's, out of my, my, it's not in my lane. There are some whom God has gifted in this area of study and knowledge and when it comes to prophecy and end times. And uh, there's some incredible, Dr. David Jeremiah wrote a recent book, probably within the last year. Man, he unpacks this whole thing. Some of the best end times, I mean, like the most latest, greatest stuff that I would encourage you to take a look at. It is awesome. And he speaks, does a very, very good job of going into great detail and in depth, really unfolding and unpacking all of this for us. So anyway, many great people like him and others who have really unpacked this area. So. Anyway, hope that helps. So good. Can we just honor Pastor Rodney for a second? Because I, I, I think you were great at that. I mean, that, that was so uh, explained so simply for us to, to understand. And that, that's really good. And I appreciate I get to see behind the scenes the, the work and the effort that he puts into this. And he has such great wisdom. So I, I think we've got to acknowledge that. I mean, this is so good. Well, can I say one last thing, too? Just a verse that I really wanted to point out <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> I, I just I'm trying this to get as much world. I'm trying to get as much in as I can so here's the thing Hebrews chapter 10 this is so important everybody this is so vitally important Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25 Paul says it this way let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. So let us not neglect our meeting together, our corporate worship. Why is that so important? So we may spur one another on to acts of love and good deeds so that we can encourage one another, the scripture says. This is so important. As some people do when it comes to neglecting. But let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So listen, we don't show up to church just so we can check it off the list. And we don't show up to church to see if the preacher's going to preach a good sermon to determine whether I come back the following week. Or we like the worship or the style of music they do or this or that. That's not what church is. Church is to come as a body of believers, to celebrate our risen Savior. And as we still have time, look at one another and say, keep fighting the good fight. Jesus is coming back. Let's keep on fighting. Let's keep on working. Let's keep on loving. Let's keep on winning the world to Jesus before Jesus comes back. That's why we have church. So if there's empty seats in this house today, guess what? Somebody is neglecting what church is all about. Now, we all need a vacation, okay? But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who don't get it. They don't get it. All That's right. right. Okay, just thought I'd throw that. That's a little bonus. Okay. <laughs> so good, so good. And life groups would go along with that, too. We need each other, for sure. Absolutely. Encourage each other. All right, number three. When we pray to God, do you say in Jesus' name, do we pray to God or Jesus or both? Great question. I, that's a great question. I love that question. Um, because I, I, I really, I've gotten this a lot from people. And I think a lot of it is just there's so many different backgrounds in how we were raised. And some people, you know, think that they can't pray because they're not a priest. Or, you know, they, it's like, well, who am I to pray? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a, chi- you are a son and daughter. 
And so God wants us to come to him as our father. I think this is something that we, and I shared a, did a message not too long ago on this. I think this is important for us to realize that when, you know, here, here, are the, here were the disciples who got to spend just, I mean, they got to have hang time with Jesus. <laughs> they, they hung out with Jesus. And so here they were, his closest companions, confidants, and they watched firsthand Jesus perform all these miracles. And yet they had the opportunity to ask Jesus, and they, they asked him the question. And they could have asked him for anything, but what they wanted more than anything to know and understand, they wanted him to teach them how to pray. And I find that fascinating because of all the things they could have asked him for, they said, no, we want you to teach us how to pray. And I think the reason why they were so intrigued is because not only did they see Jesus praying, but they saw the fruit and the evidence and the power that came as a result of Jesus praying. And so as a result of that, in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 2, it says these words, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples, referring to John the Baptist. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as often goes on, Jesus gave the model prayer that's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Some of you may know that prayer and have memorized it, you know, by heart. But I think it's important that we understand that we see God as our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father. He is our Father. Therefore, when we go to God in prayer, and we have that privilege because we are, as God's children, we have been given that priestly privilege of calling on God, our Father, as his sons and daughters because of Jesus Christ. And when we go to God the Father, it's important that we call him Father not only out of honor, reverence, and respect, but we also understand the distinction between God and Jesus. And here's the thing that's so important. We don't go to God and call him Father on our merit. We go to him, our Heavenly Father, on the merit of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus did on a cross for us. So we don't go to God just like, you know, hey, big man in the sky, you know, or my homie. No, we go to him because he's a holy God. We go to God because of who he is. He sits on the throne of our hearts. And we go to him out of reverence, a healthy, holy fear of who he is. Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we understand his holiness and his purity. But we go to God, not again on our merit, but because on the merit of Jesus Christ. And who he is and what he's done for us. And here's the thing I think that's also important for us to realize. So there's a distinction between God the Father, God the Son. So God came to earth in the form of you and me in the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ lived his life here on earth just like you and me. He was God in the flesh. But Jesus, because he was just as much God as he was man and just as much man as he was God, he was also limited physically time and space while he was here on earth. So therefore, Jesus told his disciples these words in John 14, verses 12 through 14. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now what Jesus was saying is this. God's not a slot machine. But what he's emphasizing is, is that we can go to God 
in Jesus' name. People say, well, when we say amen, what is amen and what do, are we supposed to pray in Jesus' name? Like, do we use Jesus' name as kind of like a password or, you know, kind of like a CB, you know, the old CB radios, you know, 10-4, you know, um, got, you know, got your ears on. You remember those? Some, that's a wait. few of you might remember that. But, you know, kind of like 10-4, you know, over and out, good buddy, you know, that type of thing. We don't use Jesus' name in that way. But here's the thing. Jesus has said, if you ask anything in my name, again, because of who Jesus is and what he did on a cross. Here's the thing we need to understand. When we say amen, that's the end of our prayer, what are we saying? It's like putting the exclamation point. We're saying an agreement. We're saying an affirmation. We are coming alongside in agreement and standing with Jesus in what it is that we're asking for. Because he said we could ask. And then here's the other cool thing about that. And what's awesome is to know the reason why Jesus said, hey, even great, you'll be able to do even greater things. Why? Because prayer is not limited by time and space. So therefore, man, we can accomplish so much more through the power of prayer. Which leads me to the last thing as it relates to the uh, the Holy Spirit. So Romans 8, 20, Romans 8, verses 26 through 28 says it this way. And the Holy Spirit. And I love this. I love this. Because there are going to be times when we go to, go to God in prayer. And we might not even know what to say or how to say it. And sometimes there's so many questions we have. And we go through so much hurt. And man, there's so many. Like the question we answered last week. You know, why, why, why do bad things happen to good people? There's just some things that honestly just take the wind out of ourselves and cause us confusion and despair. And sometimes we don't even know what to say. We don't even know even how to pray for situations and circumstances. But here's the assurance that we have. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. And we know that God causes everything. He doesn't cause everything. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So with that in, in mind, I think we need just to understand that prayer is a privilege. When we go to God, our Father, we're going to Him because of the merit that Jesus has given us the privilege of being able to go to God, our Father, with. Because of who He is and what He did for us. And knowing that the Holy Spirit who lives within us, the Holy Spirit is also praying on our behalf. Aren't you thankful the Holy Spirit has your back? And so therefore, no matter what we are facing, no matter what we're going through, the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding on your behalf and on mine. And I think that's comforting to know. So, man, there's so much that could be shared um, as it relates to prayer. And I just believe so much in it. A little acronym here, and then we can go on to the next question. I love, I love the little ACTS acronym. ACTS stands for adoration. So when we pray, we should always just adore God, express our love, our gratitude, our appreciation. Just, just honestly, just adoring him for who he is. The, the C stands for uh, confession. So that basically means it's an opportunity for us to confess our sin, to get our hearts right. So that our, that fellowship is restored between us and the Lord. The T is thanksgiving. You know, that's where we just express our gratitude. For God and his blessings and his protection, his provision in our lives. And then the, the, the S is the word supplication, which basically means that we can, we can pray and we can bring our request to God in our prayer. So those, those words there in that word acts are great just to kind of serve as a framework as we pray that we build that into our time of talking with God each and every day. That's great. Thank you. That's really, really good. Um, number four, as a recovering Catholic and just starting my faith journey. So, again, these are directly from you guys. We didn't make this up. So. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, we just like typed. Yeah. They were typed up. And yeah, this is great. I love okay, it. so as a recovering Catholic, I'm not exactly sure what that means. but Okay, and, and just starting my faith journey, 
is there a difference between tithe offering and other and other oh oh and other on the donation envelope so they're talking about the envelope itself tithe offering and other is is this the way to donate to help build our church home well i want to first of all just say i mean of all the questions i just appreciate the honesty and the genuineness behind that that question um because i i sense underneath that is a real hunger and desire to want to grow one's faith and truly honor the lord and because so many see it more as you know oh this is just something the church wants or needs or you know just another preacher you know preaching about money it has absolutely nothing to do to me that shows more the the true demise of a person's heart who thinks that way so i again i I affirm this question in its sincerity and authenticity and again, I think because of the what maybe they prefaced it with, I'm a recovering Catholic, which that's a whole nother conversation maybe because I'm a recovering Baptist. But um, so, I mean, we can all relate to whatever recovering because anything you come out of when it comes to denominations and any, I mean, it's messed up because it's all man-made. But here's the thing. Um, yes, there is a difference between a tithe and an offering and I'll do the best I can from God's word to maybe give some insight and understanding exactly what it means. Because, and I hope you'll just see it for what it is and not try to read in because that's where it gets messy and weird. And I think we just have to just be willing to take God for his word and trust him and not pick and choose the parts of the Bible we like and parts of the Bible we don't like and parts of the Bible that makes us uncomfortable and parts of the Bible that that, that we all just want to camp on, you know, like love everybody. Okay, well, great. Okay, well, but we can't just just camp out there all day too. We also have to do some things that stretches us out of our comfort zone. So here's the thing. The tithe, by definition, according to the Bible, the tithe simply means one-tenth or ten percent. So that's what it means. It's a tenth. So when it comes to the spiritual and the biblical reference of the tithe, there are some very, very specific and clear passages of Scripture as relates to what God desired when he instructed his people to honor him through what is referred to as the tithe. So, for example, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says, A tithe of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So I think first and foremost, we just need to understand that the tithe is not ours. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And for whatever reason, in God's plan, his sovereign plan, and his, his economy, for whatever reason, God chose it to be in the, in the sum of one-tenth. Now, he could have said, give me 90%, and you live on the 10, 90% belongs to me, but he didn't. He said, one-tenth, bring one-tenth to me, because that is mine, and it is to be set apart. It is to be holy. It is to be consecrated. And so I think it's important first and foremost that we understand that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Now, why is that important? He established this at the very beginning. And, and there are all kinds of examples, but, but I think the, but the principle behind it is that God does not want to compete with our affection, our loyalty, our allegiance, our devotion to him. That's the reason why he put in the Ten Commandments, the very first command was what? We shall not love any other gods. We shall not put any other gods before him. God wants to be first in our lives. He wants, a, he's a jealous God. He wants our full and complete devotion. He doesn't want to have to compete. He doesn't want us to be distracted with anything 
else. He wants us to be solely dependent upon him, to look to him, to trust him for every need that we have. So I think it's important that we realize that. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, it says it this way, and I love this, how it's expressed in the Living Bible. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. So again, the purpose of tithing is to not only give to God what belongs to him, but as we're giving it, we're acknowledging the fact that it belongs to him and we are depending upon him, we're trusting him, we're looking to him, not ourselves, not on anything or anybody else. We're looking to God and God alone through the relationship that we have with him as to be the sole and complete supplier of every need. God wants us to be dependent, to be dependent upon him, not upon ourselves. And I think that's very, very important that we understand that. Why is that? Because God is a God of first. So Matthew 6, uh, 33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. There's something referred to as the firstborn that God instructed his people with. In Exodus 13, verse 2, Dedicate to me all the firstborn sons of Israel and every firstborn male animal. Why? They are mine. Once again, he's emphasizing that the first, that one-tenth, belongs to him. They are mine. It also refers to the first, first fruits. In Exodus 23, verse 19, it says, Bring the best of your first fruits of the soil to the house of the Lord your God. So in essence, we're to bring him our first, we're to bring him our best, and trust him to make up the difference in our lives. Why? Because it belongs to him, and God wants us to look to him and depend upon him for everything in our lives. And where does the tithe go? Well, it says it right there. It goes to the house of the Lord, known as the local church. So that would be the first thing is that we understand that there is a principle behind it. God wants to be first in our lives and the tithe belongs to him. The other thing I think is important that we realize is that there is a, there is a, um, a practice by which we, we honor the Lord with the tithe. In Hebrews 13 verse 15 it says, Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So you'll notice when it refers to the tithe, it never says give the tithe. We're to bring the tithe. And when we come into the house of the Lord, we're to bring a continual sacrifice of praise. So when we come into the house of the Lord, when we come into this context, a house of worship, when we come as a corporate body of believers, we're coming with a heart filled with gratitude. We come bringing our offering as not only a sacrifice of praise, of thanksgiving, but we're also coming because the motivation of our heart is to honor the Lord and to give God our first and to give God our best. And we come with a spirit of joy and a spirit of expectancy because of who he is and all that he means to us. And I think that's just so important that simultaneously we're bringing our tithe and we're bringing our sacrifice of praise. So praise and sacrifice almost sound somewhat contradictory, but there is great praise through the sacrifice, not only that Jesus made for us, but the sacrifices that we are making on behalf of all that God has done for us. And so I just think that's some important things to, to keep in mind. In the Malachi chapter, chapter 3 verse 10 says it this way. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that's the local house of worship, the local church, so there will be enough food in my temple. So in other words, so that the church has enough resources, enough supply, enough funds to carry out God's will, his ministry and his message to the world. And then it says, if you do, says the Lord, little Lord of heavens, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't even have room to take it all in. And then he says, try it, put me to the test. 
And then here's the outcome. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not, far, will, will not fall far from the vine for, before they are ripe, says the Lord. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be, a, it will be such a delight, says the Lord. So here's the thing. Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10 Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. There's just blessing in obedience. And when we honor the Lord with the tithe, God protects us. He provides for us. He blesses us. He puts his super on our natural. And when we do that and we honor that, I promise you, God will bless you. That's not our motivation. It's his promise that he will take care of us. He will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. He will take care of us because we are under his umbrella of authority, his provision and protection in our lives. And when we step out of that, then we forfeit his covering of blessing and protection. And I think that's so important. And I could go on and on because it Everything that we give, when we give and we honor the Lord, it is blessed, it is redeemed. But when we hold it, when we keep it for ourselves, the Bible refers to it as being cursed. So there are consequences for that. And so I think it's just important that we realize that when it comes to tithing, that's something that we set aside and we bring it to the Lord because it belongs to Him. And He honors us and blesses us in return. And then the second question really is offering And the offering is just that. It's over and above. And so, like, when we give our tithe, that's one thing. We do that to honor the Lord. But when we give to such things, whether it's a ministry or meeting a need or coming alongside the church and what we're doing to buy land, that's over and above the tithe. And that's what we give out of the generosity, really, of our hearts. I love what... 2 Corinthians uh, 8 and 9 teaches where Paul the Apostle is taking up special offerings for the believers in Jerusalem. And he's giving them basically the opportunity to give above and beyond. And it's a beautiful expression because he even used people who were in poverty, who were stricken with, I mean, like extreme poverty. And he used them as an example because out of their poverty, they gave abundantly far beyond anything that they could have ever imagined. And he used those people as an example, as a way that we give out of a heart of generosity and sacrificially over and above. So, you know, things like Second Chronicles 29, uh, for, excuse me, First Chronicles 29, verse 9. I love that where uh, Solomon was building the temple and, you know, they're, they're having the people to bring offerings over and above. They're bringing the offerings. And it says, the people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King, excuse me, and King David was filled with joy. So it was an incredible Incredible thing to witness to see God's temple being built, but to be able to see the generosity and the abundance of God's provision through the free will offerings of the people. So there's a difference between the tithe and there's a difference between offerings. And that's just the heart of generosity of going above and beyond in our area of giving. It's really good. Thank you for all those details in that. And um, we're going to have to wrap it up in questions that we didn't get to. We will push those back. Next week, you're doing a very special question, um, five questions that every father must Towards ask. The dads, yep. Yes, and so that's going to be great. And then some of these other ones we'll get back to our final week of yes. this series. So it's been incredible. And um, maybe we'll, we'll clarify, I think also on the end of that question, they ask how can they give specifically to make your mark? So I know you'll answer that, but it's been good. It's been, been really, helpful. Really good. Yes. All right, everybody. So good. So good. I love, I love, I love the questions and uh, keep them coming. And uh, and so, as you know, you know, it's hard to pack in a lot in such a short amount of time. But I trust today has been helpful and has been clarifying, you know, in some areas of your life. And I pray that today that 
And God will take some of this, and if anything, will stir your heart and renew your passion to get into get to the Word of God and to not just read the Bible, but to study the Bible and become students of His Word. And not just be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. We live it out when we apply it in our everyday lives. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer. And Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness. God, thank you for your word, that your word is like a, a lamp. And it shines and it, it gives us light and direction in the areas of our lives, God, for us to grow and to know exactly, Lord, what direction to go to follow your plan and your purpose for our lives. And Father, I pray that today, that God, if there are those here that are maybe processing and just even in their own heart spiritually, just struggling with some spiritual questions that they have, especially maybe as it relates to their relationship with you. Lord, I pray that today that they would walk out of here having peace and assurance in their heart, knowing that they are in right standing with you. And so, Father, today we just pray that if there are those in our, in our service or maybe watching online who do not have a relationship with you, that God, that they would up, open up their hearts and receive you as their Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, would you be willing to open up your heart right now, whether you're in the room or online, and would you be willing to pray this prayer? And again, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's what's behind the prayer. It is the genuineness and the sincerity of your heart, acknowledging your sin before God. And realizing that you cannot save yourself. But only Jesus, who died for you, who came back to life, can save your soul and forgive your sins. And if that's your need today, would you be willing to pray and just do that very thing? You can just pray along with me in your heart. Just say, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And today I invite you into my life to forgive me, to save me, and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer just then, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high toward heaven today, saying, yes, count me in. I just prayed that prayer for the first time, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anybody else online? God bless you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you as our Father. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, forgiveness. And I pray that today, Lord, as we come close to you, that you will come close to us. Lord, may we sense your presence in every area of our lives today. Lord, may we not just sense your presence, but may we abide and walk in your presence each and every day of our lives. Father, we thank you. We honor you today. We worship you today. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Amen. Well, man, I am so uh, thrilled. I, I just, I hope you hear my heart behind all this. I, I love being able to help answer questions or just give guidance in some areas. And, um, and it has challenged me, honestly. It's, it's forced me and challenged me to kind of revisit some things. And, and I pray that our hearts will always be stirred in such a way to where we want to know and, and hunger and thirst for God's Word. And so I just want to encourage you, so many resources, so many wonderful tools we have at our fingertips now of wonderful, um, from commentaries, devotionals, just wonderful opportunities for us to grow in our faith. And again, I think Michelle mentioned it, 
It's a great opportunity for connecting small groups and get with people. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says, so one per- person sharpens another. We need encouragement. We need support. And we need to learn and grow from one another as well. Well, let me just share a couple of things. Number one, if you prayed uh, that prayer with me today in the room or online, we'd love to know. And all you need to do is just text uh, the words uh, RTL, I decided, to the number 97,000. And uh, we'd love to shoot you a digital version of, uh, of this worship, or excuse me, of this connection card. You can also get, uh, if you have the physical version in your hand, you can take it and just fill it out, the information there. You can put a little check there where it says, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And you can drop it in the offering container as it comes by in a second. Or if you prefer, you can go out to the Connect tent out in the lobby area. We'd love just to have the opportunity to give you a Bible, answer questions you have, pray with you. I just affirm you in this, in this very, very important uh, area of your life. And so uh, please, whatever you don't do, don't, don't escape and slip out. Uh, we want to know. We want to, again, we want to affirm you in this important decision in your life. And we'll have some folks. We're going to invite some of our prayer team just to hang out, be available down here at the front when we're dismissed as well. We'd love just to have an opportunity to pray with you, pray over you about anything that maybe you're carrying today in your life. Well, so much going on um, today. Uh, we're going to be going over to the beach, and we're going to be baptizing. And as soon as we're dismissed, I'm going to invite everybody who's going to be participating uh, to go with us over to the beach to be baptized. Uh, just meet me right over here down in these first couple of rows. We're going to have a brief orientation. And then we're inviting anybody and everybody who wants to go, just hang out at 4 o'clock. We're just encouraging people to go and just hang out at 5 o'clock. We're going to gather everybody together. And for those who are going to be baptized, uh, we're going to be starting our baptism at 5 o'clock. And uh, chances are this time of year uh, we may get a little threat of thunderstorms and it may get dark and everybody's going to oh no they're going to cancel it I can't tell you how many times we've driven over there and it's pouring down rain and as soon as you cross the causeway it's gorgeous, it's a beautiful sunny sky so don't allow the rain to intimidate you it's just a part of being in Florida and for those who are going to be in the beach or getting baptized you're going to get wet anyway so anyway it'll be great, well it's going to be an awesome awesome time and uh, and I just want to share first and foremost this little envelope that Maybe the person was referencing uh, in their question, it looks just like this, and, and uh, I just appreciate the fact they even acknowledged it, recognized it, because it does. On the inside, if you look on the inside there, it gives you multiple ways uh, to honor the Lord through the tithe, and so you can do that uh, through you know, putting a check in the envelope, you can do it online, you can do it through the convenience of a text, uh, you can give through Zelle, and whatever means that you want. And then also the other is basically uh, over and above the tithe. And that's what a lot of people have done thus far. We've had over, I think now right at 100 people who have participated either through a pledge or through actual um, gifts over and above their tithe to give towards our Make Your Mark. And here's the good news. We have now surpassed the halfway mark. Come on, somebody. So... We are at officially, I think we have a, yeah, we're at, we're at $206,752.29 have been pledged or have actually been given in the form of gifts thus far. And our goal is to raise 400000 by August the 27th. So I'm encouraged. We're again, we're, it's like running running a mile around the track okay we've already we're we're already now we're stretching mile three and so let's keep on keeping on here and be faithful and generous let's ask the lord what he would have us do to close that gap and man what a glorious day it would be on august august 27th when we can say look what god has done and wouldn't it be cool if we not only celebrated the fact that we met our goal, but wouldn't it be cool if we met the ultimate goal of $1.4 million by August? Come on, somebody now. Man, you talk about, in fact, if we did that, man, I'm trying to think of what I'd be willing to do. I'll jump out of a plane. Somebody challenged me to go skydiving one time, and I did it. Michelle, I'd be willing to do it again. We get the 1.4 million, I'll go jump out of an airplane again. I dare you to dare me to do it. All right. Well, let's pray over the offering today. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. 
God, thank you for your word, that your word never returns void. Your word is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that today that your word, Father, would be like a seed in our hearts. And Father, it would, bring, it would spring forth roots. It would grow deep into our hearts. Lord, I pray that today as we walk out of here, we'll walk out of here encouraged in our faith, Lord, to shine your light, to love better and bolder than ever before in Jesus' mighty name. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.